0: Hello.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: Hey, um, it's (laughs) It's going great. Um, Pandemic time. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Scary Talk, episode 58. Um, We're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, This will go down in history as... I don't know. Uh, just some pretty weird shit. I just find it funny that we're recording, like, kind of kind of this, like, horror, but also comedy podcast in the middle of a pandemic, but at the same time, it's, like, so fitting because I guess everyone's recording a podcast now. Literally everyone, including your neighbor, your mom, and your grandma has a podcast now because they're all staying at home. So, you know, we we were here first. We were here first, so put some respect in our name. That's all I'm saying. Um... Anyway, hi everyone! Welcome to Scary Talk! Hi Shannon! How are you doing?
1: I'm good! I wish I was as cool as those grandmas who are like filming or like (laughs) recording their podcasts. Like I wanna know what they're talking about. I wanna... I wanna experience whatever it is they're experiencing.
0: I mean, what do you think they're talking about? Do you think it's like a cooking podcast? Like baking? Baking with Gama? uh...
1: (laughs) Maybe it's just like social commentary. Maybe they're just like talking about what's happening outside of their window. Um, that would be pretty interesting.
0: (laughs) It's like what they always do, but they just have a mic in front of them now?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're gonna do it anyway, may as well have people listening, right?
0: Yeah, oh, also, um, update, by popular demand, the soundboard is gone, and by popular demand, I mean, Shannon threatening to kill me, so... I did not threaten (laughs) to
1: kill him, I implied that it was in his best interest that it go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She said, she said that it would be a shame if, like, my car exploded next time (laughs) I turn it on, something like that, so, listen, uh, fine, whatever, okay, um... Yeah, soundboard is gone. You know, dare, dare I say, if I receive, if I receive, um, kind of true popular demand from some of our listeners, it might have to come back, and you're just gonna have to suck it up. But I don't see that happening. I don't know that it was anyone's favorite, so fair enough. I lose, y'all win. It's fine. Um,
1: They're not here for the anyway. soundboard, Andre. They're here for you.
0: I guess I end the soundboard. Yeah. Poop, poop, peep, fart. Um. Anyway. So, hi all. Today we're talking. Uh, today we're talking scary movies. Um, we have. I I, lost, I. I know. I have. I think Shannon has too. I have been watching a lot more movies than I usually do because quarantine life. Hashtag quarantine life. Hashtag blast. And um, a lot of those have been horror because that's. I think my favorite genre, right alongside romance, which you know, polar opposites, just like me. Um. So. Are you a today we're talking scary movies. What are you? I. No, I'm a Taurus. Oh, what the fuck! Please, Gemini ass. No, no, thank you. Wait, um, <laughs> you are. Are you a Virgo?
1: I'm a Gemini bitch.
0: <laughs> you give me Virgo vibes. That's why. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> scary movie analysis is what we're doing today, and uh, I am um, doing a kind of like a like a. Double feature attack, it's it's interesting. It's um I love uh, Ari Astor's movie. That's the guy <gasps> that oh my God. did hereditary and Midsummer. Yes. Right, you know who he is. Yes. yes. So I'm gonna be talking about both of those movies. Yes, Not necessarily <laughs>
2: yes!
0: All Shannon right. doesn't know what I talk about before we record. I mean not usually sometimes but not always. So I don't yeah, she didn't know. Oh, I was Andre, do
1: this. Andre, um, crack me open like an egg. I think about <laughs> midsummer every day of my life. Sometimes I think about hereditary, but then I just cry. So I don't tr- I try to avoid <laughs> thinking about
2: hereditary. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, Ari Aster. For those of you who don't know, um, he's an American filmmaker. He um, did short films before he did his first um, actual theatrical feature, was which, which was Hereditary. Um, Hereditary came out in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then uh, the follow-up to that was Midsummer last year. Um, a lot of you might have heard about Midsummer before. Um, um, it, like It's more likely you might have heard of that uh, than Hereditary, just because I know it was a bigger deal and it was, um, I think, also a bigger commercial success, um, but regardless, that's the guy, he makes these movies. We're not really talking about the guy, but he happens to make both of these, and I'm talking about both of these. Anyway, his name is Ari Aster. Now, on to Hereditary. Um, spoilers, by the way. Absolute spoilers (laughs) for those of you who haven't seen these movies. You definitely should see them, though. They're both really good. So, Hereditary is... (sighs) I almost want Shannon to, like, explain to us what it is about because I feel like you're really passionate about this. But you can honestly... Feel free to interject at any moment. Okay. Okay. So, the plot of this movie is basically... You have, I'm just going to go off memory because I think it's way more fun. You have this family um whose kind of matriarch has just died. And that's the grandma of the family. Not that the grandma was super close to the rest of the family. She was kind of a weirdo and um, definitely not close to her daughter, which is the mom and kind of the protagonist of this movie. But regardless, the grandmother is dead. The family is You know, at the funeral, kind of grieving her death. Um, Mom definitely isn't too sad about it. You know, her her mom. The mom's mom seems to have been, like, an abusive mother, not very caring, etc., etc. Anyway, that's that. Grandma's dead. Funeral's over. And the movie's basically... So that's the thing. It's kind of twofold, right? And that's precisely what I'm talking about. That the movie isn't just your psychological... Well, honestly, it's not psychological horror. It is straight-up horror. It's not just a horror movie, but the fact that it also has... The... The kind of double facet of... It's also about the horrors of generational family abuse so it's not just literal like gore horror although it does have plenty of that uh for those of you who are into that um and and kind of the the analysis that i really want to dive into is the idea that that the movie's true horror lies in that secondary facet of the film which is the familial abuse um that isn't only perpetrated by the now dead grandma to her daughter, you know, before the grandma died, like, her whole life, um, but now has kind of seeped into how the protagonist, the the young mother, the mother of the movie, um, treats her relationships with her children and her spouse, not that she's necessarily abusive, but, um, she's just so distant, it's, like, because, like, abuse can affect you in different ways, right, like, you can either become abusive yourself repeating the cycle, or you can just, take it out in some other way. Sometimes people internalize it and they become really distant and shut off from the rest of the world. And it seems to be that this mother kind of took that third route, not only with her children, but with her spouse. She's very, kind, the communication isn't quite there. <laughs> like the whole movie, you can really see this, the way she speaks to her children, the way she speaks to her spouse. Um, there's there's a there's a scene at one point, again, huge spoilers where, um, I, why am I not using names? I'm saying like grandma and mother. <laughs> anyway, I honestly don't remember, um, um, what's, um, Toni Collette's character's name? Oh, Annie. Annie. So, yeah. So, um, Annie is the protagonist of the movie. And again, that's the mom whose mom died. So that's the mom that I'm referring to. So Annie, um, has you know, a son and a daughter and, uh, like a, a new husband or whatever. Um, when, there's a point in the movie where <laughs> her daughter, is accidentally decapitated, <laughs> and and it's kind of the the brother's fault, um, her 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 son's fault, kind of, not fully, not really. Um, later on, you definitely realize it actually wasn't his fault at all. Um, but anyway, I'm talking about communication, right? She. She kind of doesn't really talk about that until she blows up on her kid um, at, during dinner one day, one night, um, because the, I guess the, the son isn't being very communicative or expressive about the fact that he kind of accidentally decapitated his sister, which is uh. <laughs> critical because the mother herself isn't saying much either so
1: Can I um, interject? Yes, go ahead um, I was gonna say uh-huh. uh, a lot of what you were talking about with like the abuse being like the actual horror of this film I think that it's worth noting because like for me like it, like the intergenerational abuse is obviously there there's clearly some issues within her family like when she's talking about what happened to like every person in her family it seems like there's this underlying current of yeah they just all fucking die or you know they like, kill themselves or stuff like that <laughs> Um, So I kind of want to point out, like, that's, to me, it's not really entirely about abuse, it's more about trauma as a result of it, which Mm -hmm. I guess probably, you know, like, whatever, it's specifics, but, like, the psychological trauma that is present in this film is intense, because none of them would be reacting... She wouldn't have lashed at her her son so badly if she wasn't already so traumatized um, from the stuff with her mom and then just that on top of it, losing her daughter, and then the son's also traumatized, so it's very clear he doesn't know how to communicate about that. He obviously feels a lot of guilt. So just the entire movie is, to me, like, the real horror of it is, like, this family just, they have never once been given, like, a good chance at anything. And so like, how are you supposed Mm. to navigate leading like a normal happy life when like, just after just shit just piles on and on and on. So like, that's kind of what it felt like to me was this suffocating feeling of like, you're just so stuck in this disturbing moment with this family and yeah. none of them really know how to deal with it, except for the dad, who seems to just be the most normal person on Earth. I'm still confused about that. Um. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think it makes total sense, because he's kind of the newcomer, right? He's a stepdad. He hasn't been with that family forever. He's, a stepdad? She, he's... Isn't he? I'm pretty sure. I, Wait, I, am I, th- I getting this wrong? I'm... Isn't
1: he, though? Isn't I, he? I have no idea. I never knew that, if so.
0: Um... I feel like I maybe making that up, but I, I, dude, I guess I guess I just thought he was when I saw the movie. Maybe that speaks to something in my mind. <laughs> but no, I guess actually no. Never mind. Never He's mind. not. Uh, okay,
2: that's.
0: Wait.
1: We should probably look it up. It says um, Annie and Steve's thirteen-year-old daughter. Annie and Steve's sixteen-year-old son. That kind of. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no I mean I think that I think I think I was wrong. I think he is the dad. Yeah. Anyway, so continue. You think he's so normal and everyone else oh, is Oh like,
1: no. Um not that he's normal. It's just he doesn't seem to like metabolize a lot of the stuff in the ways mm-hmm. they do. Um not necessarily because it doesn't hit him as hard. I I don't think. It's just that the way that they handle trauma is way more intense, I think. I think that this is also kind of, like, a story about, you know, mental illness, too, so I don't know. I, no, it, no. You it's, can continue. It, you can t- continue you're saying really the good plot. stuff.
0: Um, I, um, I actually, that kind of brings me to an article that I read about it that was really good. It's an article on, on Esquire by uh, Dom Nero, and he mentions at one point that...
1: What are you doing? I can hear something. Is it the page something.
0: slipping? flipping? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess that's close to my mic
0: now. Uh, Who's the one flipping now? Okay. um, I'm gonna (laughs) note that. Okay. Honestly, lucky me. I think I have these articles mostly learned by memory, so it's fine. But anyway, okay. I'm gonna repeat. So that actually brings me to an article um, that I read uh, from Esquire by Dom Nero. He wrote about this movie. It's called Hereditary. Is too scary for its own good, which um, relates to what you were saying just now um he basically says at one point how um yeah like it's basically <laughs> it is basically a suffocating feeling because it's just bad on bad on bad happening to the people in this movie like there's no way out and it's only tragedy and like <laughs> terrible sad shit and and he he thinks that because of that this movie is a movie that really defies expectations and you know um and and for that it's kind of a classic and and it's really amazing for that and it really um, subverts expectations as far as audience goes however he thinks that that's also kind of the movie's downfall as far as why and I don't know if you know about this why it was so critically acclaimed yet kind of um, panned by regular audiences it has like a D plus um, score on cinema score so he thinks it's because audiences at the end of the day are very much looking for even the slightest glimmer of hope even in their stories of horror and pain and terror um and this movie offers absolutely mm-hmm. none of that like the end of the movie is really just <laughs> more dreadful than anything that came before it and there's no glimmer of hope whatsoever and the movie kind of just ends and it kind of debuts what happens and i think that's two of two the things the audience general audiences hate the most right? number one like no hope at all and two being left with that kind of inception style ending but (laughs) but it's made even worse for the fact that all people are already frustrated because like the ending was so hopeless and then you're just it cuts to black and you're left to think okay well what the fuck happens after so so (laughs) i like the article i thought it was really good um i thought that examination was really on point because that to me explains the discrepancy in the audience score versus the critic score i don't know if that makes sense to you
1: Um, no, it does. I, I kind of have that same issue that he's describing because I've only seen this movie one time and I refuse to watch mm-hmm. it ever again, which probably means, you yeah, know, like, no, if you're not going to no, rewatch it, it's going but also it's, it's just, I can't, like, I can't emotionally handle it, you know? Yeah, yeah but it's really good. Yeah,
0: no, and, and that, that is what he's saying, basically. <laughs> like, critics clearly loved it. it. It's very much a cinematic masterpiece. You can tell by just watching it. Uh, like, framing cinematography, the music, like, the score of the movie's really good. The acting, the performances, especially by Tony Collette, the protagonist playing Annie, are amazing. But it's just that the story, if anything, at some points gets so real that it's almost a turnoff because at the end of the day you know, you can say that really people go to the movies to escape reality, not re-experiencing it, not re-experience it at an even, like, more heightened, traumatic level. And I feel like this people, this movie may have triggered a lot of emotion in a lot of people. And if anything, that's, you mm-hmm. know, what makes it great and also what fucked it over, kind of. So, great movie. I personally recommend it. It was definitely dreadful when I watched it. Um, I don't think that, like, it stuck with me as hard as it stuck with you. I don't know. I I don't really even recall much of the movie. But, um... Like only if I read about it do I actually remember the scenes, but like just off the top of my head I'd have a hard time just telling you the whole plot. So, but I remember how I felt when I watched it, and I definitely recommend experiencing that at least once. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, Now I want to want to skip over to Midsummer. Um, Have you seen Midsummer, Shannon? Yes, you
1: have. I love Midsummer. I try to make people watch this with me and they're like, What the fuck is wrong with you? But I if you don't get it, you just don't get it,
0: I guess. I okay. Okay, so 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 everyone, okay, here's how. So uh this article um that that I'm getting a lot of this kind of analysis from. Um like I have my own and I definitely I'm I'm definitely giving that to you, but um a lot of it is um a lot of it, I agree with this person, so it's kind of a mix. So, uh, this is from BuzzFeed News. It's an article by Alison Wilmore called Midsummer is Scary, But Not Because of All the grisly Deaths. Um, and the first a sentence of this article, I thought, is, is it, it re- explains it really well. It's, the most upsetting scenes in Midsummer have nothing to do with Swedish fertility cults or their gruesome rites, and everything to do with isolation. It's a really interesting take that this movie takes. <laughs> um uh sorry that this article takes and it's not one that i've heard a lot like i i mean like i okay it's just i definitely heard the kind of interpretation of this movie as this girl was looking for somewhere to belong and she was so alone and everything and that's like why these people kind of embracing her like made it so easy for kind of for her to to fall into their trap if you haven't seen midsummer i'll explain it in a second but what this article adds is a twist on that it's not only that she was so lonely and and that's why it was so easy for kind of the you know the swedish cultists to entrap her and kill everyone else it's also the fact that um these you know what i'm not gonna spoil it i'll tell you in a second so what is midsummer so midsummer uh, R.E.S.T. our movie, same guy, again. Came out in 2019, last year. I watched it with my boyfriend. He hated it. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Um, uh, the movie is about this girl. Her name is Danny. She's a college student living away from home. Um, she gets this kind of scary email from her sister um, that uh, has... Um, Mental Illness and she's hinting at self-harm in the email basically and then Danny kind of like it's radio silence after that She doesn't really know what's happening um, And she's kind of fearing the worst turns out. Yeah um, Not only did the sister I'm I think um, i trying to remember something off the top of my head uh, not only does she kill herself by um, uh, CO2 poisoning, but she also kills her parents um, so Danny now parentless and siblingless is traumatized and uh, to top this all off she was already um, kind of on the verge of her relationship with her boyfriend crumbling because um, the boyfriend's kind of been trying to like slowly like fade away for a while and she kind of feels that and uh, I don't know it's weird you know like he, he 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 pulls away but like she wants to pull him in and it's, it's this weird thing where like The guy doesn't really want to be there, but he kind of then stays there afterward for support because she knows that she's going through a terrible time. Danny is because her family just died. And it's, like, basically the relationship... It's weird because the guy is basically just kind of out of the picture at this point, but his body's still there, I guess, but his, like, mind's already elsewhere. And it's just really sad, and it kind of piles onto that immediate, like, almost instantaneous feeling of dread the movie gives you as soon as it starts because... You know, this girl is really alone, alone, alone. Like, now her family's dead and her boyfriend, she feels like she can't even count on. So, that happens. Um, her trying to process through all of this, um, uh, kind of, uh, she, she, uh, she hears of a trip that her boyfriend is going to do with her friends to this, um, quaint little town in Sweden, and she texts along, um... And then they all go. I'm, I'm simplifying a little bit. I'm, I'm not going through all the details, but not all of the verses were important. The point is that she texts along. She goes. They all go. Um, and what happens in this little town is that, um, again, simplifying. There's this. Um, there's this uh, kind of festival that happens every. I think it was every 90 years. Uh, 75. 75. Never mind. Not on. That <laughs> was not on the notes. Every every 75 years, and it's called Midsummer. Uh, the Midsummer Festival and. Um, a uh, lot of details, but they basically, um, honestly, Shannon, do you want to, cause I feel like, I feel like I have too many notes, okay, mental so- notes about the movie. <sighs>
1: I've seen this like five times so the point is like honestly if you haven't already seen it you need to go see it the point is it's a cult yeah. it's a big fucking white ass cult like that's all you need to know like we all signed up for this they're all gonna fucking die yeah. we get that right so it happens in gruesome ways blah 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 however the thing that's like funny or I guess not Hilarious. funny at all, <laughs> and that I think Andre is trying to talk about with his article is that that stuff with the murder holy shit do I care? No! I don't give a fuck at all about that. I came here for a horror movie. I'm gonna watch him get murdered. The thing that's so traumatic about this film is their relationship through her trauma. The fact that she has literally no one to talk to, his friends are assholes, like, and I I want not even say that she is that easy to get into this cult or whatever. I don't think that it was something like, oh, she's like, oh, I love them so much now. It's like, no, that didn't actually happen. What happened was that she was horribly traumatized this entire time. She was unable to cope with the feelings because she wasn't ever given the space or time to do so. She didn't have anyone there to support <laughs> her. Her boyfriend's a piece of shit. So, like, that's what's actually traumatizing about it. Isn't that the cult is so good and manipulative, it's that the cult showed her kindness and compassion that she'd never, ever experienced once in her life. Yep. Ever? <laughs> And so it's like, you don't, you don't just say it's okay to kill people, right? But at the end of the day, this story was saying, well, what if in this one specific case, it was, it was where she needed to be at that moment in time, um, because she does end up staying with them. And I think that that's something that we probably should have seen from the beginning because there are hints that there's only a certain amount of people that, um, Pele the foreign exchange student needs to bring mm-hmm. back there. And they kind of just had this additional person drawn in. Um, and they have that, that mentioning of like, Oh, like the Vikings would steal the most attractive women from other countries and bring them back home so that everyone would be super attractive in the gene pool. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, yeah, he, he basically stole your girlfriend. Like I remember my favorite meme about this is, um, and that's how I think
0: mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, thank you for that. I think I was getting too yeah. bogged down by oh. plot details. But yes, basically, yeah, there, there's this biggest cult. They have this big festival. Um, people are lured in, basically, to be killed by this cult. But the the, the one girl, the protagonist, Danny, um, she she gets to live kind of because she both accepts to um, be part of a cult and also because the cult is uh, glad to integrate her. And, and the, the really sad part about it, is the 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 background that the movie is occurring on, which is the the, the theme of her relationship being so shitty, her being so alone, all this trauma she has to deal with, and she has no one to expunge that with. So it's sad. Um, it's also kind of a revenge story. I know that Ari Aster, the filmmaker, wrote this movie while he was going through a breakup himself, and I believe he actually put himself in. He, I mean, if you know, from what you hear. Um, about him, talk about his breakup. He's definitely more of a Danny than Danny's boyfriend. So it's really interesting that that role was switched, <sighs> like that the gender was switched for that in his movie if it really is kind of autobiographical. I mean, not in the literal sense because the guy didn't go to a Swedish cult, but it's interesting. So anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's like, so the twist of this article kind of has on that isolation um analysis is also the fact that the reason it was so easy for them to kind of snatch Danny and for Danny to also kind of fall into the entrapment of this cult was the fact that the rest of the I mean a couple of them weren't because they were trying to like run away after they got freaked out but um, some of their friends were so kind of almost unbothered by a lot of what they saw like at some point people start killing themselves like throwing themselves off of cliffs because they're old and I guess in in this culture like when you're old you kill yourself instead of dying of natural causes because that's bad because you're you don't want to like spoil before you give your life away to the gods or some shit and they see that and danny's like terrified at first when she's still like a normal person and not like completely brainwashed but um but i think a a couple of them including her boyfriend they're like and i but like that's it like that's like that's as dramatic as a reaction gets and yeah like you as an audience member you're like what the fuck we can do not see that coming and um and so you can empathize with Danny, and you're like oh my god you should like get the fuck out of there but the fact that she's surrounded by these people that don't I guess don't have a huge problem with that for the you know for the sake of Mm -hmm. I don't know cultural appreciation which in that case is bullshit like that makes it way easier for her to kind of get cooped into this place and and eventually, for her herself to also accept this kind of shit, because at the end of the movie, um, some of her some of her friends have been like scanned and shit and killed. Her boyfriend's gonna get killed inside like a bear suit. Um, he's like sedated, so he can only open his eyes, but he can't talk or move. And they put him like inside this bear suit because like the fat's gonna make him burn faster. The bear suit's then also inside this house. It's also gonna burn with all the people in it. It's like a it's like a gigantic fucking messy horrific ending and she's kind of just watching this from afar now being completely accepted into this cult being like yeah like it is what it is you asshole boyfriend you broke my heart and now i'm literally breaking you <laughs> like i'm just <laughs> burn a hell um
1: well i i think that 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 ending is really good because at first she is horrified because everyone's the whole cult like their thing is radical empathy so they're all like falling to the ground like pretending like they're burning Mm -hmm. alive Mm -hmm. and screaming and so there's just this chaos and I think at the end of that chaos when she like smiles Mm -hmm. that's like the end that's like the iconic Mm -hmm. moment or whatever it's it's like Suddenly, like, all the pain that she had experienced with her family and all of this, like, it's suddenly just over. Like, it's done. I think that that moment of closure is really good. And I think the fact that the movie takes place mostly in sunlight and daylight Mm, is good, too. Because you can kind of, like, feel the trauma in the beginning, like, the winter scenes of her parents dying. And then at the very end, it's just spring, and it's beautiful, and, like, her boyfriend's burning alive, and, like, she just smiles. Like, you can just feel this movie. You can just feel, like, the way it moves through that whole grief Mm -hmm. experience. And it's, like, it's, like, a deep sigh of relief when, finally, she doesn't have to deal with that motherfucker anymore. Like, that's it. Like, this is the beginning of her new life. Good (laughs) for her. Good for her.
0: (laughs) Ari Aster said, female empowerment. No, um, I, I think, um, no, I think that's good because because in a sense, like it's it's weird because she she's trying to hold on to to the to this guy and he doesn't he's he's basically already out like you know his mind somewhere else um, because she needs someone that can help her like work through this grief um, but but in the end, kind of like trying to do that actually makes her feel worse and then <laughs> it it's, it makes sense that that at the very end, the liberation from an only. The, the grief of her family dying, um, but also the state of her relationship comes, comes upon because this guy gets fucking burned to ashes. It's really intense, and it's really dramatic, and it's really extreme, but it's, 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 um, it's poetic. You know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's metaphorical, and it makes sense. It's like, yeah, she, she's free now, basically. In all, in all senses, right? Not, not, yeah, so, Anyway, um, I, uh, so the article, I guess I didn't make it clear, kind of basically has this, um, the, the, the person who wrote it, Alison Wilmore, she really tries to emphasize the fact that, like, um, kind of, like, the American tourist is, (laughs) is basically really really annoying sometimes and that that kind of aids to their downfall especially specifically in this movie um she um i'm gonna read you a quote from this article um the movie's joke is on the visitors who are so blinkered by their assumption that they'll be welcome wherever they go that they don't actually realize they're the offerings in the ceremony not the observers there to document it the people of harga keep their own history and aren't about to let strangers in on it though maybe they're ready to take in danny who actually understands the power of sharing suffering. The quavering uh, smile on her face in the fi- in the film's final shot is the expression of someone realizing, with equal parts horror and triumph, that she's found her tribe. <laughs> um, which I think is pretty spot on, <laughs> especially to what you said. It makes it all adds up. So that yeah, I mean that that's that's Midsummer kind of in a nutshell, and I think it's so interesting. Also about Ari, uh, I think it's Ari or Ari, but our Ari Aster is the fact that this filmmaker is he really is gold because his histories are always his stories pardon me his stories are always twofold it's not just the the surface tension right uh, of, of his horror films that is being caused by demons or a cult but the story is really like the meat of the story is really always in in, not in the background right it's it's this family history right or it's this girl's Suffering in relationship like it's and, and it's always about things that are really human and really touch you But by that same coin, they also really terrify you, right? It's like now being able to deal with this trauma and mm-hmm. falling into this deep despair Just like the family and hereditary does because you just like you said you've never had a chance to Basically to get it right like you don't know better. So how are you gonna do better? And then for for Midsummer, you basically explain it really well, so Um, I think that's why they're so horrifying. I think that's why they're so scary. And I think that makes them better movies for it, honestly, because it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's twofold. They're complex. They're fun to watch, even when they're dreadful and they're just a whole experience. So I fully recommend them. And so does Shannon. They have her seal of approval. So everyone go see these movies.
1: Um, We should just change our podcast to this. I think this is the ideal situation. Um.
0: <laughs> is it movie analysis um, or just Ari Aster's movies?
2: <laughs> let's just talk about Ari
1: Aster's movies just over and over for another 60 episodes. Um, possibly other horror films. I feel like B-movie should be allowed for sure
0: I mean honestly before Uh, we even started recording I'll admit this to you I already know that I'm gonna want to do another one of these episodes because I have a movie in mind that I think I'm sure you might have watched mm. I'm sure you might have watched I'm sure you have watched um that is just as controversial as these movies if not way more and I definitely want to talk about it so
2: yeah Mm. Mm.
1: okay whisper it to me so they don't
0: (laughs) hear I'll text it to you how about that (laughs) (laughs)
1: anyway okay so so this episode came out of my sister suggesting that i watch the platform on netflix and she told me like hey don't watch this if you're in a bad mood because it's gonna put you in a worse mood and so i was like oh okay i like i won't watch it or whatever um and then a couple days later i was like you know what i'm bored of shit i'm quarantined i'm gonna watch this movie whatever happens happens Mm -hmm. um and then I told Andre to watch it as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, basically the platform is, um, let me pull it up so I can get their names right. So the platform is a Spanish science fiction, horror film directed by Gauder Gaztelú you Uri, Uru, I, I can't pronounce your last name. Uru, <laughs> Uru, um, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so it's actually called El Hoyo, which means The Hole. Um, this was released in 2019. It was a independent film at Toronto Film Festival. Um, and it was released on Netflix. So that's cool. That's basically where I watched it. That's where a lot of people watched it. Yeah. Um, so what is the platform about so obviously it's about a platform (laughs) oh god i'm so funny this is why we don't have more sponsorship than we deserve right andre (laughs) you
0: you know you know you come to this podcast for accuracy for production quality so honestly i'm surprised we're not raking in the millions (laughs)
1: absolutely right okay so the platform essentially is it starts out as this vague concept you don't really get to see it until maybe like 10 minutes into the film um, when our protagonist Gring Gr- Grinch Gr- I don't know how to say <laughs> name. when our protagonist so
0: steal Christmas and also all the food
1: <laughs> I'm gonna call him Okay. Ivan, Ivan, because that's, that's okay. the actor's name um, so Ivan Masag- Masagyu he awakes in his cell, um, it's marked number 48 at this point in the very beginning and so his roommate is some Hannibal looking <laughs> motherfucker some old dude a fucking crazy <laughs> motherfucker And he explains kind of in this expositional way, you know, what's going on here. So what is going on? So they're in a tower-like structure, um, which you learn is a prison. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a hole in the center of each room. And then through this platform, they have food brought down to them from floor one all the way down. So they're at floor 48. Um... I, I love one of the critiques about this film. is like, how is the platform moving? Because it's not connected to a rope or anything. Science fiction, guy. I know, I'm guys. like, that's what Science you took away from this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So, basically, Yvonne's character, Ivan, Yvonne, I don't know, He he's down there. It's it's like, the idea is that he decided to volunteer to go in there, not knowing what it was, necessarily. Um, you know he probably knew it was a prison or a study or something but he volunteered because he wanted to get his college degree which is great you know education is important guys it's super important Um, this is the one time I would say just go to college yeah so
0: I didn't that wasn't totally clear to to me like he said that he basically volunteered to be in this prison for half a year just so he would get a degree and if so like how what kind of fucking degree is that like okay
1: right yeah I don't know but it's it's interesting. So, I don't think they ever really explain that, but I mean, we can talk about that analytically later. But, um,
0: <laughs> and also so the basically lack of that's rope, what we've got. we need we've to talk about it. the lack of rope,
1: right? The <laughs> lack of rope is very important, apparently. <laughs> so, we learn through conversation, um, that his roommate is serving a year long sentence for mm-hmm. slaughter, um and so the whole point of this platform this jail you know like there's a toilet in their room there's a sink and then you get your food is it once you get it once a day? day i think it's once you get your food once a day on the platform and the way it works is the people at platform one or room one they get to eat first, and then this it's the same food. It goes down to two, all the way down to 48, where they're at, and it just keeps going. So you have to eat fucking leftovers, which is disgusting, for one, but also, like, right. I mean, beggars <laughs> can't be choosers, right? Um, so I just want to make sure that was clear, because that's, like, the whole crux mm-hmm. of that. Um, so what happens is that there's a lot of implication here that the roommate had been pretty down low um and that he had survived by eating his past cellmate (laughs) yeah yeah. because once you get down once you get down there like there's not going to be a lot of leftovers um so that's kind of the whole crux of this Mm -hmm. issue right is it's like how do you survive 30 days on your level without starving to death if you're really low um and so that's kind of the thing that they deal with in this movie it's 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 not that long of a film. It's like an hour and a half, but it feels dreadfully long because it's just this dark room and it keeps changing numbers and you just, you see the, the tear and the right. disgustingness. Which, like, people like By shit. the way,
0: like, uh, yeah, yeah, huh? very important. People do shit everywhere. <laughs> uh, but like, but, yeah, like, boring, right, the protagonist, um, he, he, he technically does, I mean, he says something that is very reasonable, which is, like, hey, fat old man, right, he tells to this guy, the Hannibal-looking guy, Trima- Trimagasi. he tells him, like, you can survive mm-hmm. off of water, you know, and, and Trimagasi just replied with, like, oh, well, like, I'm old, like, I couldn't have done that, you know, This like, <laughs> had to eat the guy, whatever, and whatever, but, like, and because yeah. he's weak and I guess that kind of makes sense but like I mean if it's either risking it or eating someone else I think I'll risk it because because the risk the risk that Trimagasi talks about at the beginning is real you, you, I mean you, you're going to talk about this in a minute I'm sure but you know when they get to the level where like he ties he ties Goreng uh, the protagonist up he does something which does make sense which is like mm-hmm. it's not just about this month it's the fact that if I don't eat <laughs> you this month like w- and i just drink water like what happens next month right when and then i'm gonna be too weak to tie you up and eat you up and it's like it's it does make sense so it's really hard
1: right so this is what andre's talking about this is like a very very gory body horror type of film which i didn't personally enjoy um so what tree magasi he he's the roommate he ties up garing and he's like i'm gonna eat some of your flesh today, or whatever. <laughs> um which you know it's logical right like that makes logical sense it's also fucking disturbing and disgusting um so obviously that doesn't happen he ends up killing him with the help of some crazy uh-huh. crazy woman um and he does get more like cellmates or whatever and he, he only has to last six months with mm. these levels um but like I like I was saying like the thing that's horrifying about this beyond just the moral implication of like okay like how long can I wait before I decide I'm going to cannibalize mm-hmm, myself or mm-hmm. others <laughs> um like cuz that's like mm-hmm. a very big thing but obviously like I don't want to talk about that and it's not that I'm weak I'm not a weak I'm not a weak ass bitch all the <laughs> time but we're not talking about that here so my analysis here mainly is on the very very big flashing sign um over this film that says, capital of <laughs> that. <laughs> um, because that is just such a big, big theme in this whole film. It's like the people at the top eat all the food so that when it reaches the bottom, there's nothing left except for shit um and instead of being logical and being like okay if you just eat your amount here we can make it to the bottom and everyone will get their share people are like no fuck you like i waited my turn too like i've had it bad too so now i'm gonna fucking overeat until my stomach hurts
2: and it's right like, well, it, it,
0: but the, it's not that, you're we, completely right like it's not bad it's not even the fact that they're illogical it's that there's like malice on, on top of that and that's what mm-hmm. sucks, not only the malice of, no, and I'm going to eat till I'm super full, and, you know, if you get it, oh, if, whether you get it or not, I don't know. It's it's even worse than that, because at some point, people are, like, pissing and shitting and spitting on the fucking food, just so that mm-hmm. others, you know, because, oh, like, Trimagasi sets at some point, oh, well, they're the ones that are below us, so fuck them, and it's like, God, <laughs> so yeah. unnecessary.
1: And that's, that's so, like, I think that's like a big underlying statement here it's like well of course we could feed all the people who are starving right now on earth but we fucking don't mm-hmm. um there's plenty of reason for that you know like some people just don't have the amount of money to survive on their own even if they are in a first world country and then we have these countries that are like literally starving to death and we have billionaires who are going into their fucking caves underground during the coronavirus and just being like well fuck you guys i'm gonna sit here with my swimming pool that's mm-hmm. also underground." um so it's just this big metaphor for just the way in which we let people starve to death and the ways in which we make it acceptable to do that by saying well i don't want to be down there i don't want to be like that um or if i'm up here i'm going to do everything i can to protect it Mm -hmm. and savor it rather than be helpful and so i think that that's that's really what Made me sad about this movie is the fact that it's so inevitable. Like you, you want to believe like there is like a hopeful ending to this film. I'm, like, mm-hmm. three yeah. <laughs> um, there's a hopeful ending, right? But at the same time, this system is so hopeless, you know. And it's just the same as our system. It's it's so. And I'm not a communist. <laughs> I'm not
2: saying like yay communist. Said, I'm just saying
1: like <laughs> I'm just saying like there has to be a happy medium. There has to be some way to deal with it because otherwise, like, we're just trapped and we've got this anger and we don't know what we're doing with it and this one guy can see how illogical everyone's being but no one will listen. Um, so... (laughs) <laughs> That's truly fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I um that. I don't
0: know if you heard that this movie um was originally supposed to be a uh, a play a theater play. Um yeah yeah, yeah. Really? so I, I I swear I just read about this I don't know if it is no yeah I think I don't know if the people who wrote this movie uh, their names are David De Sola and Pedro Rivero if I recall correctly because I remember <laughs> looking into this after I watched it because I found it really interesting I don't know if I can't recall if they wrote it or they got the material from well no they obviously wrote the movie but like they if like it's a completely original idea or if they got the idea from somewhere else but the point is that um it was going to be a theater play and then um i think they pitched it to like by some con like um some um some recently ended up like pitching it to a movie studio and they were like okay yes you can make it into a movie but you have to really adapt this differently in because like a movie screenplay can look like a play like a theater play and so they did and then they made this but um yeah it was supposed to be uh um yeah i'm glad they did because i think far wider audiences consume movies and in the end this message is going to reach more people if that was the intention you know for their art to reach the most people so it's a good movie and it's a good movie i recommend it
1: yeah, no, really, it is. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately like Andre's <laughs> a political science um, degree holder here. I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about in terms of that. All I know is it made me sad. Um, and that it is pretty powerful. Um, it's also really disgusting, so I advise if you're going to watch this, try not to eat um, before Yeah, I think that... Um, um, but yeah, so that's what I have for I- <laughs> that movie. Is there anything else you want to say I about think it?
0: that... I think that, like, the the capitalist critique goes beyond... <sighs> like, I remember reading an article that was like, this really is just a literal critique on, like, prison culture in America. And I was like, I really don't think so. One, because the movie doesn't even take place in America, nor are, nor are the creators um, from the States. But also... I think I think it's really clear to me that the prison really is a metaphor for like the hierarchy, like kind of um per, pera- like pyramid hierarchy that the society kind of exists on, right? Like modern Western capitalistic society. Um, so I don't know. Just wanted to put that out there because <laughs> I have heard that, and I I, I think that <laughs> I think that if people have more theories for what the movie could mean or more interpretations those are always really fun to hear so honestly you know shoot us shoot us whatever you have but i, I kind of do agree with shannon on on that now something i wanted to on, on on your interpretation shannon i am i am on board with that but something that you didn't discuss was um this crazy lady that you mentioned earlier how she has a kid and basically like you know you can you can really take that to a couple of places but mainly if people have taken it is like like children, in the end, are like the ones that really lose on the system because they not only they grow up in it, but they're also corrupted by it and abused by it, and it's terrible because they're children and etc. 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 So, and I've heard a lot of interpretations for what that means in the movie, and I wanted to hear you talk about that.
1: Oh, the in- okay. um Well, I think that it's important to like notice they don't actually say for sure if it is her kid I think it's kind of implied but I don't know if we can say for certain I also don't know that part to me was kind of unbelievable because if the people at like the lowest level can't get food how was she surviving down there for so long so I'd actually say that's like my least favorite part but the whole point was like they wanted to send the girl up as a message (laughs) I, I mean yeah like it's a good message right like would you do this to a child or whatever Um, but but
0: like don't they know that she's there so are they gonna care if they see her come up
1: I don't know because that whole thing just seems like a very weird plot point that I don't think was made clear and I don't fully understand like how would they know that she's there why would you put a kid down there in the first place why'd that lady come looking for her kid down there? Like, they're not supposed to be kids in the prison, you know what I mean? Like, right. It doesn't make any sense. And
0: why is she, like, well-fed um, and not dirty at all? Like, is someone feeding exactly. her? Exactly.
1: And- none of it makes any sense. Um, so that was not, <laughs> like, I almost feel like it could have just been a hallucination or something, but then it's, like, I think they were pretty okay. Like, they were well-fed or whatever. It was only, like, one day.
2: Yeah, that, um, that is weird. So I'm not
1: really sure I understand. I think that's probably just, like, the fantasy aspect of that where they're like okay here's something we're gonna do to like, kind of like tie up the movie you know what I mean
0: I guess um, that's the case and that was kind of a rush ending um, actually we hate the platform everyone don't watch it No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we have no, no idea what I the kid means good, so though. capitalism is actually good for children so never mind
1: <laughs> it's it's a good idea you know like yeah. to use a child to convey that this is bad so maybe the filmmakers were just doing that too um, yeah. so have you? We have nine minutes. Have you seen the Neon Demon?
0: I have seen the Neon Demon, and honestly, it is I think dense enough, but also digestible quickly enough that we can probably cover it between the two of us in nine minutes. So you go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any like deep analysis on it. Um, it's been a while since I watched it. I think I watched it twice. But I wanted to bring it up because it, it, it's kind of in the same tangent of the platform in terms of at least the body horror and the cannibalism mm-hmm. Which by the um, way, I uh, so okay,
0: like, I, I know you told me all of this on Oliver Text and whatever But then I watched the movie and you must have not seen a lot of like Saw or like Hostel back in the day when that genre was like booming Because this is not body horror, okay? It's not it's nothing like that. It's nothing of the sort. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tame, if critiquing anything Critiquing
1: my experience of body of <laughs> horror No, I actually, I saw the first Saw movie And I saw Hostel, that's it I never watch any more of the Saw movies So
0: Well, fair, I don't blame you <laughs>
1: yeah like that's just not savory to me like no part of me thinks that it's fun to like watch that kind of stuff like I need more
0: <laughs> okay but like Loki um, Loki Loki like quick segue Saw 3D the seventh Saw movie that first death is like Loki iconic because horrifying but also really funny like super super quick there's basically this girl at the beginning of the movie like she's on she's like at us in a storefront and she's being like displayed as a prop and there's this machine that's like she's gonna lower some, like, mechanisms allowing her to this machine on the ground that's basically a huge blade saw that's gonna, like, cut her in half by the abdomen. Um, oh, my God. I know, but, like, the people who have the ability to save her, because, you know, the Saw movies, technically, she, you always have, like, a chance to survive, are these two guys that are also tied that are also being displayed in the storefront on either side of her. They're, like, tied to the walls, to these, like, chair mechanisms. And they have to do something, some kind of motion or something, uh, or, like, hurt themselves in order to save her. But they end up, like, buddying together and letting her die because they find out that he's, like, been cheating on both of them with the other. <laughs> and I thought that <gasps> was, like, so... <laughs> it was like so funny and but also silly for a fucking Saw movie and it's just like but I, I loved it because at that point it was clear to me that like these movies had just like completely jumped the shark and they didn't care about how ridiculous they were they were like Saw um in 3D whatever
1: that's like that could go like one of two ways like that could have been like a really good plot line for a porno but they just took <laughs> it for whore they were like no like they're just the both gonna fucking kill her basically um <laughs> Wow, I don't like that. Um, (laughs) Anyway,
0: The Neon Demon.
1: (laughs) So, The Neon Demon is this really fucked up movie. I kind of like it because it's very atmospheric, and it's kind of, like, pretty, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I like it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is kind of about beauty and, like, Hollywood and the way they romanticize beauty and how they, like, treat it as, like, a... It's, like, so desired, and it's a sign of success, and... It's, like, everything. It's everything that can give you power. Um, and so it basically... The the whole point of this film is she's a model, and then, then there's other models, and there are other people, like, photographers in this world. And these girls, the models, they just fucking kill her out of jealousy. Um, which is, you know, not that surprising. Um, I'm fairly certain you don't need to watch the movie to figure that out. It's a horror movie. <laughs> um, but killing her isn't enough. The thing that makes this so gruesome is that they, like... They, like, shower in her blood and, like, eat parts of her body or something. Mm-hmm. It's all very disgusting. There's a lot of sexual assault, too, for, like, no reason and, like, necrophilia. But isn't um, it isn't it because but, they
0: think that, like, they're going to get something out of eating her? Like, her beauty? Like, they they literally will consume yes. her beauty?
1: Yes, that's basically it. Like, they think that they'll get younger or they'll get more beautiful. Like, it's just this weird, like, gross... It's just this gross metaphor for, like, the way people consume beauty, mm-hmm. um, especially in, like, those types of professions in the world and, like, how it's, like, it doesn't even matter who you are. Like, if you're beautiful, we will consume you. We will eat you alive, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that... Huh?
0: Yeah, I was saying, yeah.
1: Oh. But, yeah, so that movie is just really gross and really interesting. So if anyone wants to watch that, I would definitely suggest that. Because, like like I said, there's not a lot of analysis there. I just wanted to bring it up um, to see if, you know, if we could get a conversation going. Um, yeah, no,
0: I mean, so- someone definitely has to watch it, because no one did. You know, the movie grossed, like, $3.4 million on a $7 million budget. So there's not going to be a Neon Demon oh, 2. Damn. I can tell you that much. But, um no that is that is really good on that analysis and uh, yeah I mean it isn't very deep because it is kind of obvious when you're watching the movie but it's still good to mention a part that I liked was when um the one of the like basically jealous stepsisters (laughs) like, tells the, the the protagonist, right, Jessie, the girl that's played by Dakota Fanning, the really beautiful natural beauty, um, she tells her about, like, all the cosmetic surgery that she has had, and she kind of is in disbelief that the girl, you know, the, the protagonist, she has not um, had any surgery or used any casting couches to, like, achieve her success, and I thought that was really good commentary, basically, on Hollywood and on this kind of on this kind of almost unintentional jealousy. I mean, not that a lot of jealousy is intentional, but what I'm trying to say is that it's sad because it's almost like this other girl really was given no chance to prove herself if she didn't do these casting couches and if she didn't get all the surgery. And so it is almost understandable why she is so jealous and upset that this natural beauty that hasn't had to, you know, get on her knees for anyone is being given all these opportunities. Um... But like, that's not really that young girl's fault. Like that's not no that's not the new girl's right. fault. And and but but in the end, it doesn't matter because the system makes it so that the jealousy is directed at this girl, not at the system. And mm-hmm. so it's this girl who suffers the consequences of being literally, <laughs> um, uh, fucking necrophiled and uh, and eaten. So, yeah, it's just a tragic story. Yeah.
1: No, that's definitely that's a good point. That's kind of similar to the platform too it's like it's literally the system's fault and if people would acknowledge that they wouldn't be shitting on other people
0: right Right. Um, yeah. the, the whole you know. movie <laughs> fucking like main guy or it's like uh, I, well not the whole movie but at some point right the protect Gorang is like we should like rise up and shit or even even the woman says at some point like by the time Gorang is like completely like He doesn't care about anything, he's like, he's lost himself, even she's like, you know, spontaneous, like, spontaneous solidarity or something, like, that's what's gonna save the system, but that's super unrealistic and it never happens, and it never happens because people don't realize that, like, the system is a real enemy, and they're just, like, shitting on each other and pissing on each other, and, yeah, yeah, totally.
1: It's also like a lot. It's a lot to undertake if you don't know how and if you're scared. Like, it's hard mm-hmm. to tackle a system. Am I recruiting for communism? You'll never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Shannon said, Communist Manifesto. <laughs> this is why it's so difficult for people to make any progress and why it happens so fucking slowly. It's because, like, there's just not enough like there's too many things on the line that's why the system still works Mm -hmm. it keeps you down Mm -hmm. just, it keeps you stuck um although i will say um doordash would not let me log in today so (laughs) i have beat the system i did not doordash today
0: (laughs) never mind shannon said capitalism lives (laughs) 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 one more day it lives i'll let it live um anyway oh my god (laughs) uh everyone thank you for listening to this um this really strange episode of scary talk i had a lot of fun making this um i think you did too shannon
1: (laughs) i was terrified i was truly terrified yeah
0: i bet (laughs) no um no this is fun uh if you guys want um another iteration of this please do let us know so we bring it back this was definitely entertaining um and uh, everyone please just stay safe out there Um that's all we can say. You really already know all the rest, so no need to repeat it, but just stay safe, you know, stay home, etc, etc. And while you are staying home, remember that um (laughs) you can listen to us on any podcast listening platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Talkscary and on our Facebook page at scary talk. Also our YouTube channel at scary talk. Um that's where you can find all of these podcasts on video format. If you need them for some reason, um, and yeah, Shannon, anything else? <laughs>
1: Um, I recommend us to your grandmas. I want more listeners, specifically in that age range. Um, I think it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, if anything, yeah. We. I mean, we, we, we're We. also humans. We're also in quarantine. We need more podcasts to listen to as well. So if you have a fun grandma that's doing fun things, please let us know. The older the better. And, um, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. Remember, The Mothman is still real, even 58 episodes in. And, um, we appreciate all of your feedback. We will see you next week. The Good Mothman.
1: Night. Is currently socially distancing. He is, so he is. What we be
0: doing. <laughs> he is, but he'll be back <laughs> once this flows over. So <laughs> remember, it's so real. We'll keep him in your mind, keep him in your prayers. He needs your prayers and your energy to live. Good night, everyone.
1: <laughs> Good night.